Peace, peace, ladies and gents, boys and girls from around the world. Welcome back to another episode of 99 Pod. It's not 1999 anymore podcast, and you know what we do. We do it all the time when we get on the air. We give you the best debates and sports takes that media has to offer. And when I tell you what's going down, I tell no lie. Okay, I tell no lie. It's Friday, okay? The weekend is upon us like a hippopotamus, and it's going down, okay? I mean, the NFL playoffs, conference Sunday, okay, championship Sunday. We got some predictions. We got some previews. That's going down. We got a whole lot of NBA today on today's show because it's going down in the NBA as well. We got to talk about some games last night, some all-star selections and snubs. We also got some games on Saturday, prime time. You know what time it is, okay? And I'm not talking about prime time, the coach or the player, or the former player turned coach. I'm talking about the primetime basketball, the primetime football. It's primetime over here. Like, subscribe to the channel to be notified of any new uploaded content that we have coming your way. As you see in front of your screen, we got some heads on the mic today, and you don't want to miss it. Let's get right to it. Once again, be sure to like and subscribe to the channel to be notified of any new uploaded content that we have coming your way. Live shows like this one is going to be fun. Now, without further ado, it's time for the queue. Zay, I'm going to pass the mic to you. What's going on? How's it going, everybody? Uh, stay hydrated, first and foremost. I think that's the most important thing. Make sure you got your water on you at all times it is bad out there especially the, the frigidness that is and everywhere and then you know just make sure you stay hydrated at all times i'm always in paradise we have a crazy weekend of sports we're one game away from the super bowl which is always exciting to talk about basketball's ramping up we just you know all-star starters um it's so much going on in the sports world and i can't wait to talk about it we got dino we got real low here it's gonna be amazing and um, I'm glad everybody has checked in so far. Please like, subscribe to the channel to get all the notifications of the new uploaded content. Um, you know, this is a great show. We've always been ramping it up every episode. And it's only getting more interesting and more entertaining as we go along. But, um, yeah, I'm ready to knock out this show. And I'm locked in. Absolutely. We got my guy, 99Pod contributor, contributor, excuse me, Dino. Dino in the building. What's going on, Dino? How you feeling? How we doing, everybody? Appreciate you guys having me on as usual. I'm hyped to get this pod started. I'm feeling great. Uh, it's another day, you know, another day to go out and be great. So we're going to be great, deliver some content for you guys. Let's get right into it, man. I'm excited. Absolutely. We might as well begin with the first topic that 
is on the show right now, as you see at the bottom ticker. Okay. Now, as they alluded to, water, not liquor. I know it's Friday. Okay, I know it's Friday. I know things go down on a Friday, but put the liquor aside and get you a nice glass of water. Okay. Speaking of New York, because we're going to talk about a lot of New York today. Should the Jets be trying to lure Aaron Rodgers to New York after the hire of Nathaniel Hackett at OC, offensive coordinator? And Zay, you being a Jets fan on the show, the mic is yours to begin. Um, I don't know if anyone remember this um, earlier this season. I was highly critical of Nathaniel Hackett. I thought he was the main reason, the main culprit of Russell Wilson's down year. Uh, the reason that Russell Wilson looked terrible. He didn't look like the MVPS quarterback that we saw in Seattle for years and years. Um, you know, I was highly critical. Um, I was uh, led astray. I was bamboozled. I thought Russell Wilson was this guy that was spectacular, that he was a, a different being at, at quarterback. And I thought him being his own man on a different team where he had full control of everything was, was going to be pay dividends and show he's the true MVP. Clearly I was wrong. Um, but fast forward to now. I think Nathaniel Hackett going to the Jets was a clear indicator that they are going after Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think it the Jets should and should be should be going after Aaron Rodgers, and he should be their number one option at quarterback. Um, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, he the writing's on the wall. You know, he wanted to leave there. And, you know, I think he's been talking about the Jets since midseason, talking about this is not the same old Jets. So he had interest in the Jets since the middle of the season. This guy's been talking about him unprovoked. Nobody's asking him questions about the Jets. No one's asking him to talk about him. He's in interviews talking about the weapons there. He's doing his homework, apparently. He said, yeah, oh, yeah, they got Uzama. Yeah, they got Elijah Moore. They got Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. They got Brees Hall, that running back. Their defense is top five. Like, this guy's doing a little bit too much homework for a guy who's not focused on going there, who may not even, who is, quote-unquote, playing another season. Everyone thought he was going to retire. But the Jets should want to go to, I mean, they should want to go after Aaron Rodgers, after this Nathaniel Hackett signing. But I want to talk about Nathaniel Hackett real quick. Because he had the opportunity to pull off a Cliff Kingsbury, earn all his money that he just got from the Denver, sit at home, get paid, and not do anything, and just rest years and years just getting paid. He actually took the option to coach the Jets, take um less money because, you, you know, once you go accept another job, you no longer have that other contract that fulfills the money. And he is coming to the Jets. Now, I know he's not coming here to coach a rookie quarterback or a sophomore quarterback in Zach Wilson or Mike White or even a Joe Flacco. So there's a writing ones on a wall that the Jets are going to go after a big-time quarterback. Who is it going to be? We do not know. I think it could be Aaron Rodgers. It should be Aaron Rodgers. That should be the number one option to go after. But they're going after a big-time quarterback. Um, it doesn't make sense that he comes back for anything less than that, that he comes back for anything less than having a primetime quarterback being in that position so he could coach him. So I personally believe Aaron Rodgers is the number one target for the Jets, and the Jets should absolutely go after him if he's not the number one. Dino, talk to a brother. Man, I think the Jets should be trying to lure Aaron Rodgers after the Hackett signing, or that was old OC back in Green Bay. But, I mean, the Jets in general, they just have to get a quarterback, you know? I mean, Lamar's probably going to be on the market. They got to go after him. Maybe look in the draft if someone slips. But I feel like Rodgers wouldn't be bad, but what are you going to have to give up to get him is the question that I feel like. Because he's under contract for, what, another three, four years in Green Bay? So you got to consider, like, you know, what is Green Bay going to let him go for? Like, are they going to let him go for a little cheaper? Are they going to let him go for a steep price because he's under contract for another three, four years? 
So what are the Jets going to have to give up? And is it going to be worth it for how many years of Rodgers is he going to play for? Is he going to play for another year, another two years? What are you going to have to give up to get him? And how much are you going to get back from Rodgers, who's going to be 40 this year? So I feel like the Jets really got to make a decision on risk versus reward with Rodgers because, as we all know, he only has one Super Bowl, and he just choked to the Lions in their biggest game of the year. So I don't know. I would personally, if I'm the Jets, go after Lamar Jackson. If he makes it a free agency, but I mean Rogers, uh, I feel like the Jets are definitely setting up to go after Rogers for sure. I think for me, right? This is a very polarizing question because we all know the biggest need for the Jets is quarterback. Now, can you get you an upgrade? Then chances are you like your playoff chances. Whether it's Derek Carr, who may be the cheapest option out of all, whether it's Lamar Jackson going for the home run, I consider that one to be the home run. That's an option. Aaron Rodgers is surely an option now. But I think for me, should they go all in for Aaron Rodgers and try to lure him over there? I guess yes and no, if that makes sense. Yes, in the sense that he is a quarterback up. But anybody is better than Zach Wilson. Okay, you can get me over there. I can do better than Zach Wilson. But I think for me, Nathaniel Hackett, he's living off of that Aaron Rodgers endorsement. Remember Aaron Rodgers came out a couple years ago. He's a great coordinator. That's how this guy is getting jobs. That's how he got the job to Denver as a tool to get Aaron Rodgers over there. But guess what? Aaron Rodgers didn't come. So they left the same package that they put together for Aaron Rodgers, kept that same package and gave it to Russell Wilson. And we all know he's a client. Okay. So we doing the same thing with the Jets here. I'm not sure if that's smart, but then again, at the end of the day, you haven't been great for the last couple years. Couple years is an understatement for decades. So you're going to do what it takes to do it, right? Just like Jalen Brunson's father signing with the Knicks. That was a clear power move to get Jalen Brunson over there in New York. So you're doing the same exact thing. You're taking a page out of the New York um, Knicks books if you're the Jets. Fine, cool, whatever. If Aaron Rodgers go over there, sure, by all means, you got yourself a quarterback. A quarterback who chokes in big games, okay? Let, can we call it what it is? This guy, Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people, they either hate this guy or they love this guy. There's no in-between. I beg to differ. For me, I'm in between. The football player, overrated. Probably the most overrated player in the NFL right now, currently, based on the amount of praise he gets, but the lack of silver hardware he gets, okay? Um, you talk about me liking Aaron Rodgers, the philosophical Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we can hang out, go for a beer, talk about some conspiracy theories. So I'm in between. But the reality is, this guy's a choke artist. The reality is, when you need him in big games, he fails. The reality is, he's willing to quit on his team. Why? You was the main guy. You was the quarterback of that team. You failed. You did not beat the Lions. You had an opportunity. Win and get in. You didn't win. You threw two interceptions in that game. Should have been three. So instead of deflecting blame on ownership, oh, I don't know the talent around me, how about you? elevate your game how about that so if he can't elevate his game over there what makes us think he's gonna elevate his game over here i don't know i'm a blind man and i can't see you know i want to say you know uh the last time i mean all season aaron Rodgers, interviews 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 i like the west coast offense the west coast is best for me i know it best he's going back if he goes to the jets if he decides to waive his no trade clause to the jets he goes back in that west coast system that West Coast system that won him that championship with Mike McCarthy. That West Coast system that put him in multiple NFC championships, multiple MVPs, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, he's been very vocal about not liking Matt LaFleur's offensive schemes. He's been very vocal about that. Since Nathaniel Hackett left the Packers, the Packers have yet to get into top 10, top 15 at red zone um, touchdowns, red zone offense. They're actually ranked 24th and 23rd the last three seasons under Matt LaFleur. Um, once, I mean, excuse me, once Nathaniel Hackett left, um, uh, the Packers were ranked 24th, 23rd in uh, red zone touchdowns. So we talk about what, what's in transpiring here. We talk about all the news that's breaking. But most importantly, um, Aaron Rodgers focuses on – the focus would be on Aaron Rodgers just playing in that West Coast offense because he loves it so much, because he talks so highly about it. He'll be back here. But I think the biggest signing on that offense wasn't the Nathaniel Hackett signing for the Jets. It was the Keith Carter signing that they got, they got from Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans let go Keith Carter, their offensive line coach, and the Jets were able to bring him in as the offensive line coach this is the same guy who made Ryan Tannehill look great. The same guy that made Ryan Tannehill look really good at quarterback and also had Derrick Henry have most of his um, biggest years under Keith Carter. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this dynamic is going to play out. That's two huge signings. And then the Jets are still rumored to get a senior offensive coordinator or offensive coach in that locker room. Who's it going to have no clue, but it's interesting to see how they're trying to ramp up this coaching staff to make sure that they get the best possible. The most important thing about getting Aaron Rodgers, yes, um, bringing him in and you're training for him, you're training to win a championship. You're training, training, you're training him to get to an AFC championship at minimal. You're trying to show that you're trying to be relevant. You're trying to make the big splash, the big moves. But also, Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson have a good rapport. They actually speak most like um or very often. Aaron Rodgers is a good tutor, if anything. Aaron Rodgers is on his way out. Everyone knows that. He knows that. But if he could give his last whatever left of talents to help win the Jets go to the AFC Championship or win a Super Bowl, and still be able to teach Zach Wilson how to be a quarterback in the pocket, how to be that quarterback in a West Coast offense, then you're not only saving Zach Wilson's career, you're also Aaron Rodgers himself it removes that choke artist uh, tag off his off his name off his career, and then also you're also helping Nathaniel Hackett's career survive because it looked terrible under that stint in Denver Broncos. So there's a, there's a multitude of things here that's happening with the Nathaniel Hackett signing because there's a, a lot of point, point like the Jets right now as a laughingstock organization as they've been for years. This could be a way to save everybody's career simultaneously. I will say this, right? You talked about and I want to retract and go back way earlier in your take, right? About two minutes ago. I want to talk about the comment that you made about Matt LaFleur and his system, right? You talk about Aaron Rodgers not being a fan of his system, right? They butt heads in the past. I mean, Rodgers, matter of fact, when Matt LaFleur first came over there, they butt heads. Then they seemed to hash everything out when they made back-to-back NFC Championship games. But then this year, things started getting, you know, a little bit dicey. Not beef, but criticisms. What if his endorsement of Nathaniel Hackett was actually a subliminal shot at Matt LaFleur? We don't think about those things, right? Who knows? Sometimes athletes like Aaron Rodgers, LeBron James, they use any opportunity to take a shot at a front office, at, you know, coaching. They use everything. So basically what I'm saying is that maybe he endorsed him not because he believed in him, but because he wanted to take a shot at the guy whose system he don't like in Matt LaFleur. And, you know, everybody just gravitates. Oh, Aaron Rodgers called him a great coordinator. We need to hire him as a head coach so Aaron Rodgers could come here. Aaron Rodgers didn't come here in Denver, right? And now the Jets are doing the same exact thing again. Now, 
Take a guy like Tom Brady when it comes to a guy like Brian Rolletwich. Didn't a year ago, Tom Brady came out and said that this guy's a, a, a brand new mind, a good mind. He had great things to say about Brian Rolletwich. And guess what? He's fired on the unemployment line, walking around like he pretty boy Floyd. Sometimes it could be the quarterback that really makes the quarterback look good. Sometimes it could be, you know, trying to set up a, a or take a shot at your own head coach. It could be a lot of ways. But remember, Tom Brady came out in regards, in favor of Byron Lettridge, who, by the way, had an opportunity to get the Jaguars job because of that two years ago, last year, actually, in the offseason. He declined that, and now he's fired. And now he was exposed with the lack of creativity on offense, the ability to adapt, okay, throwing everything up the sideline, no motion, none of that. So at the end of the day, we have to take what these quarterbacks are saying with a grain of salt because guess what? They're the ones that play on a football field, and I'm believing that that. You know, one last thing I want to say before we go. Um, Nathaniel Hackett was the signing that the Jets needed because uh, Mike LaFleur was a young coach trying to co coach young players and not develop them. You know, that that's the issue. Mike LaFleur has no um, experience developing guys, and he tried to develop young players. He actually downplayed a lot of his young players. Uh, Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson, you know, kind of talking behind their back, essentially. And he has to learn you can't do that as a coach. You can't be downplaying the players. You're supposed to be coaching up, supposed to be um, drawing plans and schemes for. So I think Nathaniel Hackett, a new uh, new coach, a new face in the organization was necessary because there's already a lot of turmoil with Michael Floyd throughout the season. On top of that, not producing what he needed to do. I understand the play calling wasn't the worst ever, but it wasn't working for this Jets team. It needed to change. Nathaniel Hackett having a, a more traditional system, a modern system, a West Coast system that's thrived for decades and decades that won multiple team championships is something that the Jets probably need to learn. The young players need to learn and learn how to play in the pocket before they could just motion out and do everything else. You have to learn how to play in the pocket first and then you roll out. Championships are won in the pocket like Aaron Rodgers says. And Tom Brady's a big factor of that as well. Championships are won in the pocket and that's something that maybe these young guys, these young quarterbacks and a, a young offense that the Jets have need to learn. And I will say this, and Dino, if you have any last remarks, feel free. My last take on this topic is that to really fully answer the question, because I, I left a yes and a no, basically what I'm saying is should you be going all in for Aaron Rodgers? Fool's go, possibly, because he's a quarterback upgrade. Not because I think it's a move that's going to win you a Super Bowl. It's a move that's going to make you better. But should you be using Nathaniel Hackett as a tool to get him there? No, because what if he doesn't come here? Then you got Nathaniel Hackett working with Zach Wilson or Mike White, one of those guys. And do we really believe in Nathaniel Hackett enough to turn them into studs? I don't. Number two, did Aaron Rodgers ever say that he wanted to be coach under Nathaniel Hackett again? All he did was came out a couple years ago and talked about how good he was. Like I said, it could have been a subliminal shot. But we don't know if he really wants to go to a team that's coached by him. He could be looking at somebody else. But we'll have to see how that plays out. Dino, any last words? No, good. We might as well move on to the next topic. Let's move on to the NBA over here. The Knicks and the Celtics. The Knicks with the dub. What's more of a big deal? What's the bigger deal here? The Knicks winning or Boston losing three straight games? And Zay, if you want to start us off, by all means. 
Um, I think for me the biggest deal, the bigger deal here is the um the Knicks winning this Boston game because this is their back to back win against a top four team. Uh, they beat the Cavaliers at home, one hundred five, one hundred three, and then they go to Boston and win in overtime, one twenty to one seventeen. A game which they should have closed out and won because they were up, uh, I believe, 10 points with five minutes left, 112 to 102 at one point. The fact that Boston came back and tied it, you know, shows they're still having closing issues. But the Knicks were able to pull out a grinded out game and win um, without their starting center, without a um, the guy that needs to get the rebounds, protect the paint, and so on and so forth. Uh, the, the Knicks early on in the game, they looked deflated. They looked they didn't know what to do against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who were just um, scoring rapidly. Uh, rampantly, excuse me. They were doing, they was getting whatever they wanted. They was able to score the bucket. They were able to score the basket. I think Boston losing three straight is not indicative of what's going on in their team. They have some woes. Uh, Jalen Brown is unable to play back to back games or even game multiple games in the same week. With that, he has like a um, an injury that's being monitored on a night in night out basis. Marcus Smart out the lineup with the ankle injury. Um, you know, and I think that, that they're martyred by their best defenders not being in a lineup consistently which causes Jason Tatum to play multiple roles, a facilitator, scorer, a primary scorer, primary ball handler. There's a lot of different roles he plays because um, they don't trust Malcolm Brogdon or Derek White to do that on the, the court at the moment. So there's still a lot of, um, you know, chemistry roles that need they need to fix, especially with the new head coach. The new head coach just seems like they're not meshing well with it, with his game plan, with the, what he wants to do. Um, you know, I think right now it's just, I, I said it before the season, um, it don't matter who's the head coach because the talent on Boston is going to, show who they are and play kind of like freestyle basketball. They do what they want. The, the inmates run the asylum with Joe Missoula as the head coach. And, you know, I think that's not going to pay dividends in the playoffs. I think that's actually going to hinder them. But I think the bigger deal is the Knicks winning. Um, this is, like I said, second game in a back-to-back Cavs and um, Cavs fully healthy. The Celtics, all their star players are healthy, except for the defensive player of the year. Um, and the point guard Marcus smart. And I think it was a bigger deal because the Knicks get a lot of flack. You know, they don't, they don't get, Praise for winning national games. Now, you know, the Knicks just beat the best team in the NBA on a national televised game, and no one's talking about it. But if the so if Celtics would have won that game, it would have been a whole different discussion. Oh, where did the Knicks go now? Oh, the Celtics are showing how dominant they are, yada, yada. So it's it's interesting that no one's making a big deal of it, but this is a bigger deal than Knicks winning against Boston last night, going two in a row. You know? All right. Here we go. So – the bigger deal, I would definitely say, is the Knicks winning and beating us yesterday. Because, I mean, the thing is, though, we're banged up right now. Like Jay said, we deal. Marcus Smart's out. Jalen Browns, he's got an adductor problem. So he's been in and out of the lineup for the last, like, two, three weeks, inconsistent. He hasn't been playing that well. Um, he's, he's This thing's nagging him. So it's like, you know, it, we, went, we went one for eight last night shooting the three ball. It was like couldn't really hit his shots like that. Imagine he hits two of those threes, we win the game. So, obviously, something's still up with Jalen Brown. Hopefully, he gets better soon. But with the Celtics, though, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal if we beat the Knicks on national TV because, like, we beat the Knicks. Like, no offense, but we beat the Knicks. It's just, like, another day in the park for us. It was a big deal when we beat the freaking Warriors uh, last week. That was a big deal. That was a great game. But us losing three in a row, I mean, I'm not too worried about it right now because it's the regular season. And, like I said, we're a little banged up right now. You know, we in the trade deadline, we got to go look to get some depth pieces. I would definitely like to see another big man added. I wanted Jakob Hurdle, but it seems like the Spurs asking price is going to be a little too steep. They want two firsts unprotected, I think. I don't know if I want to give that up for uh, Hurdle. But in terms of Boston, you know, we've had this stretch earlier in the year. You know, we had a stretch, I think it was like in November, December. We lost about three in a row. And everyone's like, oh, are the Celtics legit? Are they 
or they start to decline. Then we turn around, we, then we go start winning more games again. We won nine in a row again. So we've gone through this stretch before. I just don't like how we're losing to teams like we lost three games to Orlando this year. Like three of our 14 losses have been to Orlando. Like that's not good. So we definitely have to figure that out against like lower tier teams. Um, but hats off to the Knicks for winning yesterday. They beat us. They played a great game. Um, so this is a good thing for the Knicks. You know, they beat, like Jay said, they beat Cleveland earlier in the year. Cleveland's top five seed in the East right now. And, you know, those are two big wins for them. But I guess with the Knicks, I guess the biggest thing is consistency because they won what? Leading up to Christmas, they won like eight in a row. Then they lost like the last three. And they blew like two second half leads. So the Knicks, I think they'll definitely make it. I think they'll make like the sixth seed. Or if not, they'll make like a seven seed play-in. So they're actually playing better right now. But the, the Knicks, I just got to see that consistency on a more level base because they're, what, like 25 and 23, 26 and 23, something like that. So they're right at 500. If they can get a few more wins together against meaningful teams, they'll definitely give the next some, Knicks some momentum going into the playoffs. But uh, Boston losing three straight, I'm not too worried about it. If we start losing more, then I'm going to start getting a little worried. But I'm fine with Joe Mazzula as a head coach. I think he's doing a great job. And I like how he's very analytical. My man used to have uh, Quizlet cards on on opposing teams' players to see how they played and their their strengths, their weaknesses, their tendencies. So the man's very analytical. I like him as a head coach, but you know I just gotta see Boston stop these. You know, we gotta get healthy first, but then we gotta stop losing these. Like we can't be losing three in a season to teams like Orlando. We gotta gotta hit the ground running once the trade deadline ends. All right, so me, I'm actually going to go the other way here. You know, I think the biggest deal is the Boston Celtics losing three straight games. Now, to Zay's point, this was a great signature win for the Knicks. Literally, it's probably their best win. Not probably. It is their best win of the year, of the season, because Boston is the number one team, not only in the East, but in the whole entire NBA. They have a half-game lead over the Nuggets. Okay, so the Knicks just beat them. So I could see from that argument. But the reason why this is a bigger deal, Boston losing three straight, is how they losing. You see, I'm starting to see those bad habits stick around. Now, I've been high on this team, on Boston. Matter of fact, I was the only person in this 99-part family, not named Dino, who picked them to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. This year, I have them going to the finals again. But I'm not oblivious to the bad habits that I see that has not left this team. For example, let's go to the third quarter where they kind of blew the game in a way before the Knicks kind of like blew it, before the Knicks took it back. Brown, he forced back-to-back shots, a fadeaway from the low post, a step back three. Sometimes the, Celtics have a op- sometimes the Celtics have a habit of not taking high percentage shots. They take these shots where I'm like, what are you doing? Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, Tatum sometimes takes those. Um, not to mention Tatum, his inefficiency, two from two of seven from the arc from the three-point line. You know, Brown missing the two clutch free throws at the end to win the game, right? So I'm starting to see these bad habits pop up. And let's not be, you know, let's not take a shot at my Knicks here because that's my team. I love them. But you basically got outdueled by Jalen Brown, not excuse me, by Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Okay, the Celtics duo is literally the best duo in the league. Look how much points they averaging together. You just got outdueled by Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And I understand we get disrespected. We should be all-stars, too, in our own right. But at the same time, you're supposed to be better than them. 
You got outdoed by these guys. And I'm starting to see the mistakes. I'm starting to see the hesitation. I'm starting to see the lack of high percentage shots. And I can't ignore it. It's, it's showing to me now. And remember, on the last show that we did, Zay, I said that the only team that could beat Boston is Boston. That was a compliment. But right now, Boston is beating Boston. So I have to take a look at that. And that's why it's a bigger deal for me. But the thing is, Leo, is that that's been our kryptonite. If you go back to even like last year and a few years before in the uh, conference championship game against the Cavaliers, we were up 3-2 with, the, with Kyrie out and Gordon Hayward out. The thing that we've always done, no matter the heck of Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka, uh, Joe Mazzula, these problems have been around for years and for some reason not getting addressed. When we go down the game, we start chucking threes and we start missing, take bad shots. Jalen Brown, free throws, never been his strong suit. And he tends to force shots that I don't like. And sometimes Especially in traffic. Yeah, that and he starts sometimes he starts dribbling too much, then he loses the ball. And I'm like, dude, and then Tatum sometimes he's just taking like low quality shots where I'm just like, what is that? Same with smart. And like these problems have stuck around and they haven't been addressed. I don't know why, but like when I'm watching the Celtics, I'm like, I see it. And I'm just like, especially last year in the finals against the Warriors, I'm like, why are we taking these shots? And it's just like these like low quality shots. But another thing is the turnovers. The turnovers have still haunted yes. us from last year. We're turning the ball over. I think it was against the Miami. We had like 19 turnovers in the game, 20 turnovers in the game. It's like we can't be doing that, especially as the one seed. Now the targets are on our back, especially in the East, because when Middleton's healthy, which I'm pretty sure he's back fully healthy. When Milton's healthy, the Bucks were we are in their crosshairs. They want us. The Nets want us. The Heat want us. Philly wants us, but they ain't gonna beat us. Everybody wants us. So if we keep making these same errors and these same mistakes, we're gonna be in deep trouble. And I agree. The only team that can beat us is us in the East, I believe. And honestly, in the West, if we get favorable matchup, I think we probably win the finals. But we really need to figure out this turnover situation and these just low quality shots when it gets the game gets close in the fourth quarter. We have to figure this out because if we don't, like you said, Boston's going to beat Boston. And that's why it's the biggest deal for me because I expected age to mature them, experience to mature them, the finals loss to mature them. And I'm still seeing it. And even though I still have high praise for this team, like I said, I believe that they're going to represent now. These things are becoming obvious to me. And now in my mind, I'm like, the way how the 76ers are playing right now, maybe they could, you know, upset them, right? I'm not saying they will, but maybe, maybe the Bucks when they get Chris Middleton back healthy, maybe they can upset them. Now I'm questioning it. Now I'm questioning my pick. And I wasn't doing that prior to this three-game losing streak. You know, I want to say something real quick. And um, I think the Celtics, I'm, I'm going to touch on the Celtics real quick, um, real quick, and then go to what I was going to say on my second go around. Um, the Celtics, um, like you said, Dino, like Lil said, they have very questionable decision making. And that's been prevalent. Even when we saw in the finals against the Warriors, their decision making is very questionable. When you're putting them against talented players, they don't make the correct decisions. If Jason Tatum is not jacking up, a bunch of shots and making them because even his shots are contested. He just makes them. But if he misses those shots, now we're questioning, oh, why would he take that shot? Why would he do this? Why would he do that? Because we're not saying anything when it's going in. That's the problem. And we're allowing, or not we, the coaching staff is allowing these guys to take contested shots, to make questionable decisions when the shots are falling. And then when the shots are falling, everyone gets quiet. No one's saying that was a bad shot. Nobody's saying that was a bad pass 
you know, you're just lucky. No, no, everyone's just allowing it to go. They're allowing the circus to go on until something goes wrong. And then when something goes wrong, that's when everyone wants to question the coaching staff or question the decision making, the, the play calling. So, you know, this is an ISO centric team, the Boston Celtics are. They move the ball on occasion, but it's ISO centric because Jason Tatum has been that dynamic. Jalen Brown, when healthy, has been that dynamic. But when they're playing against the upper echelon teams, the Milwaukee Bucks of the world, the Warriors, or even if you want to say the Grizzlies, if they go there, it's going to be a, a problem when you're playing against those type of teams, that type of talent, because it's not going to, those same shots that were falling against the Magics, falling against the Rockets, are not going to fall against them. It's a different game. You're not going to be able to get those same rebounds you was able to get, go against, get against the Knicks or whatever. But now my main point uh, that I wanted to get to is that the Knicks are now third, I believe, if not the NBA, the Eastern Conference and road game, road games won. They are 15 and 10. Uh, you know, championships are won on the road. And the fact that the Knicks are showing that they could beat the best of the best on the road is very interesting. You know, it's something that I'm, I'm very confused about because they're better on the road than at home. And that that's something that the Knicks are really, um, I guess, emphasizing. The, the road Knicks are are dangerous. They, they, they beat anybody on the road. And that's the best of the best. Julius Randle said the best last night. We could be anybody, but then we could also lose to anybody. You know, and that's something that's interesting, and that's something that's more of a flaw on the team because they're not focused on the fundamental part, rebounding the basketball. I've seen Jericho Sims box out a guy. He already boxed him out, didn't get the rebound. He just let someone else grab the board. I think it was Malcolm Brogdon that ran in and just grabbed the basketball. So I think this Knicks team, if they can make a dynamic move, just a bench piece, somebody who's consistent off the bench, to help this team win some more games on on at home, that's gonna be that's gonna be it for this team. This team elevates to what they were a couple years ago, um, and I think that's my only take right now. I think for me, the reason why I'm not making a big hee haw after this, first of all, it was a quality win. It was a great win, first of all, right? The Celtics are the best team in basketball record wise. So, in a way, I was happy to see that we won a marquee game that's not against the Pistons, that's not against the Raptors, it's, it's against the Celtics, right? For a different team in a different stratosphere. But I did not leave that game really feeling any different about the Knicks. I still think we need to make a move at the deadline. Now, I'm not talking about that home run move. We don't need to wait and stockpile assets in a vault and wait for Bradley Bill to be disgruntled and say, I'm one out, and wait for Zach Levine to say, I'm one out. We need to add on to this roster. If we are going to make the playoffs, why not give us a, a chance to win a series or two, right? We just going to go in there and be content with getting bounced in the first round? No, we need to put the pieces together to plan out this roster. And that's until we do that move is when I'm going to feel better about the Knicks. Right, I understand there's reports that came out. Ian Bagley said that we offered a couple first rounders for OJ Ananobi. I don't know how I feel about that because we all know he's a great perimeter defender. We want we want him more for the defense and the offense, averaging 17 points per game. But if we bring him in, we are literally subbing out Quentin Grimes, who's our floor spacer. So we losing the space that we need that we don't even have, basically. So that's why me personally, I want to see Gary Trent on this team. I'd rather him because he could shoot the ball. He's shooting like 40% since like November from the three-point line. I want a guy like him to be able to space the floor. Not no OG Ananobi, but either way, I'll still take it because I want us to make some moves so we can help guys like Brunson and RJ and take the load off of them. RJ Barrett, he shows up on occasion. He'll have a 30-20 game to be like, yeah, that's the guy. Then 
we like, yo, come on, man. You got to step the game up. And I think when we reflect back to that trade that we tried to make with Donovan Mitchell, when that fell through, it was a gut blow. Because that's a guy in the fourth quarter who we can always go to and know that we are safe with him winning the game for us instead of doing things by committee. Sometimes your committee don't show up to the, to the job. And that's why I want a guy like that. But we put a lot of value in R.J. Barrett. Claire, we paid him. We extended him in the middle of negotiations. That's what did it. Literally, check the timeline. Soon as we gave him the contract, Danny Ainge was like, I'm out. We're going to take a lesser offer from the Cavaliers. We put a lot of stock in R.J. And although I'm not trying to cap his ceiling, R.J. has some growing up to do. And we need to be able to supply this team with pieces that's going to help us win games. Real quick. Well, I just want to make my last point. RJ's 22 years old. The man's still going to grow. Still gonna like do I said, it. I ain't trying to cap his ceiling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on. I agree. No, Donovan Mitchell also, two things, actually, because Danny Ainge, he tried to swindle us. He tried to take not only the starters, he tried to take the bench. He tried to take all it, it was a combination of oh, trying to fleece the Knicks. He's a pick bandit. We understand that. I mean, it's crazy. But we did put a lot of value in RJ. The main, he was the not main, sacrificing RJ. I agree with everything you're saying. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is, I think so many people are focused on getting another star player, but not realizing the role players is where the championships are won. The guys who play, go in, play defense, shoot those threes, went off the bench. When the bench is coming in, they need to, to play. The bench needs to come in and play the dynamic. Like the way IQ is playing, we need another guy like that. We need a guy. Actually, there was a report stating that the Knicks are interested in Grayson Allen. That's somebody off the bench that Knicks could utilize since they're not utilizing Cam Reddish, a guy who plays defense, a guy who takes shots, hits the threes, a guy who can shoot, um, do shot creation, off the dribble, find the open guy. He's actually somebody the Knicks need, a gritty player. He does have some dirty plays. I'm not going to take away from that. He's a, he is actually kind of somewhat of a dirty player. But he is a, a dynamic, hardworking player who can score the basketball, play defense. That's someone the Knicks should be looking at, bolstering the bench, because their bench team is not that great. You know, we have IQ, who's really the main one dominating. We don't play Obi Toppin that much. We have Hardenstein and Sims coming off the bench. So mainly the only person scoring is IQ and then Miles McBride when he gets the courage to put up some shots. But Grayson Allen's a guy who's not fearful. He's not scared of the moment. He'll take those shots and clutch. Take those shots down with a minute left in the fourth quarter, 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. This is a guy who has been killing the Knicks actually the last couple seasons. That's somebody the Knicks should bring in and try to get some engine, some life in that bench team so that bench team could score way more points because our bench is actually the reason why our starters out there for 42, 43 minutes because our bench can't get no buckets. I got two things. So, but the first thing with the Knicks, I'll go back to it and I will still go back to it to this day. Whoever's been watching 99 Pod knows how I feel about the Thibodeau hiring. He's a good hire for the Knicks. He's a good coach, but I don't think he's the guy for this Knicks team. I will say it till this day that they should have went and got Kenny Atkinson because he will play the young players. He will create rotations. He will create his game plan around the young players and really build them up. Thibodeau has a history of not really been being able to do that. So I go back to it. Do you guys still have Cam Reddish on the bench not playing? <laughs> Why? Yep. Why is Cam Reddish on the bench? Well, you traded Kevin Knox and what was it, a second or a first for him, and now he's just not playing. Why is Cam Reddish not playing? Like, this is a perfect example. The Knicks can go out and get people at the deadline. Yes, it might improve them. Yes, it might help with the rotation and everything. But you have Cam Reddish, who's on the bench, just not playing under Tom Thibodeau. Why is that? Like, you got talent right there, left-handed scorer, and he's just not playing. When I see that, I'm just like, Tibbs, like, you, you're going to get at the deadline. What, you're going you're gonna to put them on a bench roll? You're not going to play them? It's like, come on now. Like, what's really going to happen if Tibbs gets these players? Like, I don't know. 
maybe if he gets a veteran, he'll probably play the veteran. But if the Knicks go out and get a young guy in the for a trade again, I don't know if he's going to play. I, I barely see Obi anymore either. It's like these young yes, guys right. aren't really getting minutes, yo. It's like it's the same starting lineup that just keeps playing and taking up all the minutes. How are they supposed to grow as yeah. players? And so, how are they not supposed to be fatigued in the playoffs? Exactly. That's my it's thing. Long- like by the time they, by the time we get to the playoffs, let's say we don't have to play in the play-in game. We better hope we don't have to because if, that's another crapshoot over there, right? That's extra games. If we have to play in the play-in game and we make the playoffs, guys are going to turn into ash, bro. Yeah. They, they like is going to be shot. And that's what I'm saying, too. And going to my second point, going to Boston and, and New York, around this time last year, in last season, the Celtics, we were like 23 and 23, 23 and 22. And then we just turned it up the second half of the year. We won all these games. We made it to the, the two seed, made it to the NBA Finals, and look how gassed we were at the end. You don't want to play those long series, like you said. You don't want to play. If you're the Knicks, you do not want to play these long series. You do not want to have to play the extra games. Because when we got to the finals, after game three, gassed. We just couldn't hang on to a lead. We couldn't hold it. I we'll get that far, you know. But I mean, Yeah, I'm just saying. But it's like, the series it's is going to be like, long. Any series yeah. involving the Knicks is going to be a six. If we show up, it's going to be a six and seven game series. Like, we're yeah. not that talented enough to win games in five. I it's going to be long during our series. And but like, you look you at want, the, you don't want to see that fatigue either, you know. So like, it, it's gonna add up, and that's why I feel like it is important for the Knicks to get pieces at the deadline. But I have to question, like under Thibodeau, are they gonna play efficient role for the rest of the season? Like I don't know. And and the other thing is, like I, like I said, a lot can happen from now until April, right? Trade deadline happens. Maybe some players move. Maybe the Wizards sell. Maybe Beal moves. Maybe Porzingis moves. I don't know. A lot of things can happen between now and February 8th, and then now can, a lot can happen between February 8th and the rest of the season. So we got to see how the rest of the year plays out. But definitely I would say if these tendencies for the Celtics stick, we – I don't know. Maybe we drop a couple seeds. I don't know. I'm a little worried as a fan, but, I mean, we'll see what happens, I guess. And that's why it's the biggest deal for me. But my last point on the Knicks is to add on and put a bow – to the to the minutes per game conversation, we have about three plays that are like top fifteen in minutes per game, and two plays in top ten in minutes per game, and one in top five in our um, minutes per game. So I don't know how we're going to plan to hash that out. But what I do know from both sides is when I look at this next win, although as a fan I love to see it, until we make moves to plan out our roster and give ourselves a better chance to win a playoff series. I'm not going to take and put too much stock into that win. But as far as the Celtics, the fact that they lost three straight games, the fact that I'm seeing old bad habits, that's why it's a bigger deal for me because they have more to play for than the New York Knicks do. I like and we that. might as well move on to the next topic. Let's stay in the NBA. What or who was the biggest NBA all-star starter snub? And Dino, if you want to start us off. So uh, read me the West All-Star starters again. I didn't catch that. I saw the East, though. You say you got it on file? Yeah, I actually I got the I got the name. So the first person, LeBron James, of course. Yep. Uh, then we had Jokic, uh, Zion Williamson, uh, Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry as starters. I like that. That's fair. My quorum is with the East. So oh, okay. obviously, Kevin Durant, he deserves to be an All-Star starter, but he's hurt right now. So Take away the time Kevin Durant's been out. And, to, and I understand the fan voting and everything. It's important to keep everyone engaged, yada, yada, yada. But 
how is Jalen Brown not an all-star starter? Do you put Jalen Brown in over Kevin Durant? Do you put him in over Donovan Mitchell? I mean, I I got my problems with Kyrie in terms of what he did to the Celtics, but the man Kyrie deserves to be a starter. Kyrie's having a cold year. And then again, so is Donovan Mitchell, but I would say Jalen Brown's the biggest all-star snub because Kevin Durant is out and he's probably not going to play in the all-star game anyway. So why, why is Jalen Brown not an all-star starter? Because we're number one in the East. Everyone was doubting us in the beginning of the year. This whole all Udoka's fired right before the training camp. They got Joe Mazzula coming in, interim head coach, and we're the one seed right now. And the Jays are playing incredible. They're playing out of their minds. Jason Tame having an MVP season. Jalen Brown's right there, the Robin to the Batman. It's like, how is this man not an all-star starter? Like, come on now. I think Jalen Brown's definitely the biggest all-star snub. And I think the West is very fair. I like that West starting lineup. Jokic MVP season, Doncic MVP season. And I think the West is pretty pretty balanced. But the biggest snub comes from the East, Jalen Brown. I think for me, I stay in the West. I don't like Zion Williamson being there. He didn't play since January 2nd or something like that. I think the Kings are being very much disrespected. I'm going to go to bonus here. This is a guy that can slice through a defense, you know, literally coast to coast. He can get tough rebounds. He can pass the ball. I mean, he's averaging 18 points per game, 12.4 rebounds, 7.3 assists. You look at Jokic numbers, who a lot of people consider him the front runner for MVP. It's not too far off. He's averaging more points per game, 25, but. I mean, 11 assists, 9.9 assists. Their numbers are identical outside of the scoring. Like, you take a franchise like the Kings, who has not been relevant for the last 17 years. I mean, they've been the worst franchise in professional sports, period. And yet, right now, they are standing at the number three slotted position in the Western Conference. Are you kidding me? And I understand De'Aaron Fox is great at basketball, but what Sabonis is doing is a bonus for that team, and that's why they did. He should be in. You know, actually, um, I got two. So I'm going to stay in the West first with Lil. Um, I'm actually going with Laurie Markkinen. Um, The man's actually having one of the best um, game seasons of his career, if not the best season of his career. Um, he's averaging 24-point game, eight rebounds. Uh, I believe two assists a game, two blocks a game. Uh, no, one block a game, excuse me. Um, he's shooting 43% from the three-point line, averaging three shot, three-pointers, three three-pointers per game. Uh, 52% from the field. Um, the Utah Jazz are really still in contention for a play-in because of um, Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen having such a dynamic season. I think he should have deserved to get that NBA All-Star starter. He deserved it, actually. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, I, I like Zion. I think Zion's dynamic. I think when Zion was healthy, the Pelicans were the number one team in the Western Conference. But Laurie Markkinen is the reason why the Utah Jazz are going anywhere. They have no star player. They have a bunch of role players meshed on one team with a rookie head coach, and he is showing the best season of his career. He's dominating teams left and right, posters left and right. This man is on top plays almost every other night. I'm surprised that he wasn't put on that Western All-Star, and I hope he is still placed in an All-Star ballot. I hope the coaches vote him in because he is just dynamic. He has to, he should be a reserve. He should be an All-Star the way he's playing. This is the best Lloyd marketing. This is the Lloyd marketing that people anticipated him to be in Chicago. So the fact that he's playing it now, and I love to see it. You know, I'm glad he's having a, that bounce back of his career. The second one is Joel Embiid in that starting lineup. I understand Tatum, KD, and Giannis all dynamic, but one of them has to go. You can't replace the big man because you don't, for whatever reason, because you want to make the game faster or whatever. Giannis, KD, and Jason Tatum, all three of them are not having better years than Joel Embiid. You could pick one of them, maybe two, but all three of those players are not having a better year than Joel Embiid. And I think one of them needs to be removed. 
Um, in my opinion, you could you should go KD because KD's been out. He's been out the last I think couple weeks, and I think it's going further. I think it's closer to a month, if I'm not mistaken. But I think when you talk about how dynamic Joel Embiid has been, he should be that starter on the Eastern Conference. Um, <clears throat> I think Jason Tatum, I mean, excuse me, Jalen Brown is considered a guard, and that's why he wasn't placed in that, in that, oh, um, yeah, that uh, role. And that's why KD is kind of still lingering there. Uh, but I know right now it was really between Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown who's going to get that starter spot. And J- Kyrie Irving the last month and change has been – dominating the game of basketball has been ridiculous. I think if Jalen Brown didn't get hurt and he was still playing at the high level, I think there would have been an argument right there. It could have been Kyrie and Jalen Brown in that starting spot and Donovan Mitchell off the bench. Because Jalen Brown, you can make the argument, has been playing better than Donovan Mitchell the last the, the, um, in the season. So for me, Joel Embiid starter, Lori Markin the starter. I think those two were like the biggest snubs for me in that all-star starter. I'm losing my train of thought. But I think you said something about Kevin Durant. I want to stick with Kevin Durant here because is the argument he's not playing or should it be like, look at the Nets right now. Look at their record without him. Even though they've been highly competitive in these games that they lost, there's still clearly nothing with Kevin Durant. And when Kevin Durant did, they was the best team of basketball, period, for like the last like 20, 30 games or 20, 25 games they played. So should there be an argument and is there a valid case that, look, Look at the Nets without Kevin Durant. He's an all-star, and somebody's going to get that spot anywhere, if, anyway if he doesn't play. That's oh, going to sure. be a B spot if he doesn't play. For sure. Like, someone's going to get that spot anyway if he doesn't play. And that's the argument, what I was thinking about, was like, okay, maybe Brown didn't get in, like, Kevin Durant, but look at what the Nets were doing. You know, they were, what, 2-8, and like 2-10 and 10 or something beginning of the year. Kevin Durant, new head coach. Kyrie, they turn it around. They start winning all these games. Like, they get to the two seed before Kevin Durant gets hurt. So it's like, okay, yeah, like, Durant does deserve it. And the same with Zion because it's like, before Zion went down, I was like, yo, are the Pelicans really about to come out of the West? Like, that's what I was thinking when before Zion went got hurt. So, I mean, I definitely see the reasoning behind it, why they're the all-star starters because there's valid points. You know, like, the Pelicans were playing unbelievable. They were meshing so well. And then the Nets were playing really well too. So I understand it, but – I guess we're going to have to see who the uh, the replacements are going to be for Zion and Kevin Durant, see who gets in uh, when they go out because they're hurt. So, Another thing real quick. I want to say, because, you know, KD was hurt. Why Why is Julius Randle not getting no type of looks or type of appraisal for the man, the way he's been playing? Like, the man's averaging 25, 12, and 4 assists a game, shooting really high from the field goal percentage, shooting threes, making them. He's top five in minutes. Why is he not getting looks? Like, I understand the Knicks get a, a negative connotation. They're not a top four team in the East. They're not the soup. They're not like a, a super team. They're not getting the most looks. But it, it's getting a little ridiculous how much disrespect Julius Randle gets in this season. This man is playing lights out basketball, getting 37 and 10 against the oh, 09, excuse me, against the Boston Celtics. Now, I understand that you got stars of the league. But Julius Randle got stopped getting disrespected. This man is playing at the same level, even higher than when he got one most improved player of the year. Like this guy needs to stop getting disrespected. It's time to wake up, y'all. Julius Randle is here. It's time to wake up. Oh, I gotta pump the brakes on that one. I mean, look, I Randle is playing great. I'm not saying he's not. He is playing great. But I mean, am I gonna finally see it with Julius Randle late in the year and in the playoffs? Because when the Knicks were the the four seed. Right, that during the the post COVID or like the the twenty twenty one year, right when after the bubble, and then he just he just went MIA in the playoffs against the Atlanta Hawks. 
am I finally going to see it at the end of the year in the playoffs with Julius Randle? Like, I don't know. I think a lot of it depends on the matchup. I think if it's against Milwaukee, I think they're going to get washed. I think they're going to Milwaukee's going to beat them in like five games because Milwaukee has that size, and I think they're very gritty in the paint. That's how Milwaukee is. You know, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, like they got them big boys down there, and Giannis. So I don't know. I mean, am I going to see it with Randall and late in the year? I mean, I feel like that's why he's not in the consideration for being a starter. He'll probably be a reserve, but I feel like that's why he can't be a starter. You know. I'm going to go around the panel here. I'm going to play the same game that me, Cuzzo, and Zay played a couple months ago, which is more appropriate for this time, where I'm going to throw out a couple names to compare, and we just go around the panel and say who's better and give the reasons why. So Embiid or Giannis, who should be in that game, even though it's already known who's going to be in there? Giannis, that's an easy one. And, and why do you think so? Giannis is an NBA champion. He led the Milwaukee Bucks to the NBA Finals, and he had one of the most best performances in the NBA Finals of recent memory. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the real deal. He's a back-to-back MVP. Joel Embiid, as we know, has zero MVPs and is a choke artist in the playoffs. I will not hold that down. I feel that Giannis Antetokounmpo, even though he might not be MVP frontrunner this year or even in the top three right now, you know, he's still that dude, you know, like I, I've seen Giannis's game really progress as the years went on. He used to be able to not really make his free throws. I mean, he's still a little inconsistent, but he can at least make them more consistently now. His three pointer is still a little spotty. But what I do notice is that Giannis can shoot that mid range now. He's improved his game from when he won MVP the first time. He's gotten better as an all around scorer and an all around, you know, playmaker and finisher. I've seen that improvement with Embiid. I really haven't seen that improvement. It's really just him using his body more. I haven't really seen much from Embiid because Sixers are still getting bounced. He's still getting locked up by Bam Adebayo in the playoffs. And compared to like when he was against the Raptors getting locked up, getting shut down by Kawhi and them. I haven't seen much from Embiid in terms of him using his body more. That's all I really see. So Giannis over Embiid any day. Yeah, I'm going with Joel Embiid over Giannis uh, respectfully. I think when you look at Giannis, everything that um, Dino just said, you can easily mark towards Giannis. I think the talent is that Jokic, I mean, excuse me, Joel Embiid has more talent than Giannis. You know, the, the three-ball falls, the midi falls. He, he's better in a post. He's better at identifying the double team, being more dominant when he needs to be, allowing his play, uh, playmakers, Harden and Maxi to play when he needs to. I think Embiid, when you talk about what who needs to show in an all-star, it needs to be Embiid versus Jokic. Last year's MVP race was between Jokic and Embiid. I believe that's that's the more dynamic game. We talk about Giannis and Jokic. Gian, Gian, Jokic's not standing in front of Giannis. You know, that's, that's not going to happen. You know, Giannis is going to be dribbling left, right, all around, or just let him, let him shoot the three. So I think when you look at um, Joel Embiid and Jokic, those are going to be a two dominant, the two David and Goliath battling it out in the All-Star. That's something that's more dynamic, something that I definitely want to see. And I would love right, – but I believe Joel Embiid still got another level to his game. I don't think it stops here. I think he still has another gear to go even further and be more dominant. And I think, you know, Giannis, we've seen the best. We've seen – the best of the best already. You know, he's starting to develop a three-point shot, but it hasn't really been developed, nor is it falling. You know, he's still regressing to driving into the paint and trying to dunk the basketball. So I think for me, I would go Embiid over Giannis. That's a tough one for me. It's a head coin toss, like heads or tails, because, like, I can see the argument when you look at the 76ers and how well they're playing right now. It's a collaborative effort, right? It's Tyreek Maxey coming off off the bench and giving that explosion, giving them points. It's James Harden. It's defending the pick and roll with James Harden and Embiid. I think um, James Harden actually has helped Embiid, Embiid grow. 
Like, think about the choice that you had to make as a defender. Right? These are guys that can score at will. They can get to the line. They can get to the paint. And now you have a choice when you defended the pick and roll. Who do I stop? That's an advantage. But I do see the argument that Embiid is disrespected when it comes to the media. Like, when it comes to the MVP races, he don't get the nod. So it can go either way. Giannis is playing without Middleton right now. And I think that's the difference for me. And that's why I go Giannis slightly. But it's close. Let's go Kyrie Irving to Jalen Brown. Well, I'm Zay. I'm going Kyrie. Uh, MVP Kyrie, as I call him. He's been playing lights out the last four games, averaging, I believe, 39 while shooting 50% from the field and three-point line and nine assists. Uh, the man is, is is lights out. And I think, you know, when you talk about Kyrie Irving, his handle, his ability to put the basket, the ball in the basket, he's more dynamic than Jalen Brown right now. Jalen Brown, I always praised him. He's improved since he first came into the league as a slasher, a guy who didn't know how to dribble. Now he has a lot of a bevy of dribble moves. He could shoot off the dribble. He could shoot the open three. He could dunk. He could do a man, many different things. It's just not at the level of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a wizard on the court. Not a Washington wizard. I mean a wizard. You know, that man should deserve to be a Hogwarts basketball team. That's how good he is. The man is dynamic, and I believe he deserved to be the all-star, you know, starter. He had a lot of controversy throughout this season, a lot. The fact that he got suspended, came back, and just became a different man at on the basketball court is um, beautiful to see. Kyrie Irving deserves to be the NBA All-Star. And, you know, it, it's him over Jalen Brown right now. Do you know? Celtics Nation, please forgive me for what I'm about to say. But Kyrie Irving, indeed, over Jalen Brown right now. You got to be unbiased here. Um, Kyrie's just, you know, like Jay said, he's playing lights out. Kevin Durant goes down. And Kyrie Irving's playing lights out crazy basketball. He had, what, 42, 43 the other night? Man's just killing it right now. And this is no respect to JB, but, you know, JB is – he's had a lingering injury the last couple weeks. So, I mean, you look at that, it's its affected him. He still has to recover. He still has to get back to 100%. I think if they're – you asked me this question beginning of the year in, like, November, December, I'm going JB all the, all the time. But we're talking about recently – and, like, the last few weeks, like, you got to give it to Kyrie. Because when KD went down, I was like, oh, the Nets are about to tank again. Like, that's it. Like, you got Kyrie and Bum Simmons running the show. Like, this is going to be – they're going to start dropping some some rankings or some seeds. But, you know, they held their own. Like, they've stuck right in there, the 2-3 seed. Like, they're right there. So, you know, I got to give it to Kyrie on this one. I agree. We unanimous here. You look at Kyrie Urban's last five games, 30, 48, 38, 30, 40, but the more impressive stat is six assists, 10 assists, nine assists, six assists, seven assists. He's doing it all. Um, the one argument that you can make, and there's a legitimate argument, right? There's an argument that you can make. You have Jalen Brown, the number two, on the best team in basketball. Yep. That's an argument. I'm going one more here because we had it for time. How about Kyrie Irving and SGA? Um, I'm going SGA. I'm going SGA. The fact that he's able to bring the OKC to relevancy is where is where it draws the line for me. OKC is 11th seed right now. They're very close to getting a 10th seed, um, and they don't have the weapons um, Brooklyn has. They don't got um, Ben Simmons, uh, Royce O'Neal, uh, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, none of that. They got guys like Josh Giddy, Lugens Dort. Um, they got uh, Jaden Williams. They got guys like that. Um, Earl Robinson. They're not, bad, though. They're, they're not. They're not bad, but they're not guys who are 
the same role players as the Nets. You know, these are like the little giants, essentially. The guys that no one anticipated getting to that championship game. Nobody anticipated to win football games or win games in general. And they're just out hustling every team they play against. SGA is his ability to score when they know the floor shrinks. They're not able to just spread the floor and space you out. The fact that he's able to score in that kind of magnitude at the the level that he is right now, I believe he's averaging 33 a game on 50% from the field. The man is dynamic. He's dominant. This is a, this is the next star. Everyone's talking about oh, who's the next star coming up. Is Shea Gilgis Alexander? That's who the next star is. And then after that, I think Josh Giddy, because I think Josh Giddy, when he goes to the team by himself, he'll have a very similar journey as James Harden. Yeah, he has all the um scoring opportunities. He has the opportunity to be the primary playmaker, yada yada, and he would be dominant. But that's down the line. Right now, SGA over Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is being dynamic. He's a he's a scorer, a wizard. He does it better than everyone else. The only thing he doesn't do, he doesn't do it on the other side of the ball on defense. And that's something that Shea Gilgis Alexander thrives on. He is one of the elite defenders of the NBA perimeter-wise. And I think SGA right now is over Kyrie because of his defensive abilities, not because of offensive abilities. His offensive ability is still on par. Um, is slightly less than Kyrie, slightly less because Kyrie's more finesse. SGA is more dominant, more physical. He gets it, gets to score anywhere he wants. Uh, but the defense side of the ball is where SGA thrives on, and that's why he goes over Kyrie. Yeah, I gotta agree with Zay on this one. Leo, this was a great, this was a great talk. I was not expecting this. This this made me think a little bit, but then I knew I was like, I gotta go SGA because I've seen SGA live. Like the way he gets to the basket, the way he he gets to the paint, and like how he is able to like do these like acrobatic moves, like these finesse moves around the rim and score over these like big guys. I'm like, man, you're like, this guy's cold. And his defense really is outstanding. The OKC Thunder are going to be nasty in a few years. Once these picks keep rolling in, because they have a whole war chest, once they, these players start getting drafted from the teams like, you know, the Rockets, who aren't good, then the Thunder have those picks. And the Thunder get these young players in the draft to build around SGA, Josh Giddy, all these guys. The Thunder are going to be really cool. But Chet Holmgren hasn't even played yet, and they're still in the freaking play-in. Like, are you kidding me? So it just goes to show, once this team gets fully healthy and they get the band together and they get these pieces, the Thunder are going to be so good. And even right now, they're they're what? On the cusp of the plan or they're in the play-in? They're going like – they're fluctuating, I've been seeing. So, like, the way they've been able to do this, because they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league, like bottom-level bottom feeders. And now they're fighting even just to get in the playoffs. And, like, the way they're doing it, it's pretty crazy. So I got to go SGA slightly over Kyrie just because of how how much OKC has shown this season with what little they have right now. It's definitely a tough question. I think as SGA, this team win more games and they get more national, then he'll get his jurisdiction dues, right? Right now it's not the time because they all the 11 seed, they all the OKC Thunder, but once they start playing better and winning more basketball games, he would get all the accolades he deserves. As far as Kyrie Irving, he has been disrespected. How is this man not a top 75 player of all time? How? In what world? Make it make sense. So I know what it is. It's the COVID vaccine that he said, nah, I'm good. That's what it is. But we, we all know he's a top 75 player of all time. Come on. We all know he's better than Dame. Literally. Okay, so he should have been there. I'm glad to see him getting his um jurisdiction due being a starter. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm not mad at that. But it's always good to talk some hoops here on the show. We're going to be doing more of that as the football season dwindles down. And speaking of football season, when we come back from the break, we got some predictions we got to take.
Don't you go anywhere. Dino, I know you got a role. It was good having you on the show. And, of course, with you, I'm always looking forward to the next one. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, as always. I'm looking forward to the next one. And uh, you guys have a blessed day. You too, my guy. Zay, we're going to be back in a couple minutes. Keep it it locked. This is 99 Pod. Let me give y'all my take for 99 Set. I'm going back to the NBA. And Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, James Harden, they have creeped up to second place in the East. Quietly, softly, but it ain't quiet to me. Because Joel Embiid never got out of the second round. James Harden have failed miserably in the playoffs. Doc Rivers, forget about that championship you won in Boston because it ain't 1999 anymore. This man had won a championship in a minute. He, this man, had lost a 3-1 lead multiple times. If they don't get it done this year, shut it down. I don't want to hear James Harden. I want to hear about Joel Embiid. I definitely want to hear about Doc Rivers. This team is geared up to try to make a run. Nobody's talking about them, and they need to fly under the radar because at the end of the day, they have failed miserably in the playoffs, okay? So fly under the radar, but I'm watching you closely. I'm holding you accountable. It's about winning a championship, and this is supposed to be a championship team. Maxi and all these other players that they got, all the other role players that they got. Doc Rivers supposed to be a championship head coach. Joel Embiid supposed to be an MVP. James Harden is a former MVP, and I am not letting them off the hook. I don't care if they run into Kevin Durant. I don't care if they run into Boston. I don't care if they run into Giannis. They're supposed to win. And if we don't hold them accountable, we are doing a disservice to the NBA. James Harden, Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers, y'all on the hook. The Freddie System status. Win or go home. And I mean go home. Break the team up. It's over. And that's my take for 99 cents. Yes, you know the vibe. We are back for the next topic on today's show. And it's going down on Sunday. We talking conference championship games. We talking the Bengals. We talking the Chiefs. We talking the Brock Purdy 49ers. We talking the Jalen Hurts Philadelphia Eagles. It's going down. We're going to make some predictions here on today's show. We're going to start with the second game here. Okay, because it's going down the quarterback battle. You know, we got to talk about that. Well, Joe Burrow, before and know against Patrick Mahomes after Sunday's AFC Championship game. Zay, the mic is yours. You know, real quick, before I make my take, please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We've been slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. All ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question. But now on to Joe Burrow. It 
looks like Joe Burrow will be 4-0 against Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain does mean you're getting a less version of Patrick Mahomes. Now, does that mean he'll be able to apply pressure on it? Of course. Now, I don't know how far he's able to throw on one foot. I don't know if he's able to go 40, 50 yards down the field on one foot. He likes to he likes to um be able to move around the pocket. I don't know if he'd be able to with that high ankle sprain. He's only one week removed. I don't know how mobile this guy will be on one week remove. He may be bionic man. He may be able to do everything that I wasn't able to see last week, but it looked pretty bad when he had that injury. He was hopping around on one foot. I don't know if he was walking on a boot all week. I don't know if he's been applying pressure on his ankle all week. And sometimes rest on a, on a high ankle sprain could also be a, uh, a recipe for disaster when you're trying to put apply pressure on it, when you're trying to do more than you what you can on a football field nonetheless, in Arrowhead nonetheless. It's going to be interesting to see. I think Joe Burrow is ready to take his heart out, snatch the hearts out of the Chiefs. Um, He sees an injured animal. He's only going to attack it. He's going to swarm it. And I think Joe Burrow will be dynamic against the Chiefs in that game, and they will head to a back-to-back Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, I mean, look, I know the way how this question is worded is really dedicated to talk about the quarterbacks here. And in all fairness... These are the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. But to me, the two most important people on this field is actually the defensive coordinators for both teams. Right? I'm going to go with my guy, Lou, Bengals defensive coordinator. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. That's why I say Lou. If I don't know how to pronounce it, I'm just not even going to try. I'm not about to make myself look foolish here on the show. I'm just going to go by Lou because he made it do what it do. Last week against Josh Allen, disguising coverages and blitzes, he confused Josh Allen. Josh Allen went back to school, bro. My man's went back to college. Trigonometry. Okay, well, that's high school. But you know what I mean. He went back to biology. He was in class like, what the hell am I seeing? You know that meme where you've seen the pyramids and you've seen everything in the math? He was like, oh, my God, I'm seeing too much here. They confused Josh Allen. He could do that here. Matter of fact, this was the same game last year in the AMC Championship game last year that made Mahomes look like a shell of himself. He was like, we never seen Mahomes look like that. So if they can do that, he's on one leg. My man's is on one leg. Bring the blitz, disguise the blitz, drop back, confuse him. He's a shell of himself. You talking about a high ankle sprain. He ain't Superman, he ain't God. Okay, so he's hopping on one leg. They should be able to get to Mahomes, confuse him at the line. And went on that side of the ball. As far as Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, I mean, let's face it. What is the biggest weak link of the Bengals? O-line. Even though they played well last week, it still remains the O-line. Bring the blitz. See if you can disrupt the explosive plays down the field by getting to Joe Burrow. And that's why the two most important players to me, well, not plays, but two most important people on the field is both defensive coordinators. But who do I think is going to have a better day? It's going to be my man, Lou. He going to make it do what it do. Consider it two in a row. They going to Super Bowl the Bengals. I like them 27 to 24. I like that score. Um, I'm actually going uh 30 to 17 uh, Bengals. I think, the, like you stated, the blitz is going to be important for both teams. I think the Bengals will send more blitz seeing if Josh, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes can move out the pocket on a bad angle. They're going to they want to put pressure on him and apply pressure as much as possible. Anticipate Andy Reid. To have Patrick Mahomes play up the shotgun more often, actually, if not the entire game, so that he's at, he has ample time to see where everybody is is every play is coming from. I don't think the play action is going to be um a strength 
this game because if he, he's unable to move, he's unable to move out the pocket, he's going to have to make quick throws. And a lot of those throws will be short passes. So anticipate the blitz happening and a lot of three and out to happen for the Chiefs. Um, I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes has shown us they uh, not a year in, year out. He makes the impossible possible. And don't get me surprised if something happens where he's just showing that he's just a man amongst boys as a quarterback. I think this is going to be a very great game. I want to say it's high scoring, but right now my gut is telling me that the Bengals defense is going to show out in this game. And I know for sure if the Bengals win, we're going to come on here Monday and we're going to say what we already said on the last show. Joe Burrow is that cat. Joe Burrow is the number one quarterback in the league. Because how can we not say it? 4-0, two in a row in playoffs against Mahomes? What are we doing here? But if for whatever reason, and it's possible, like you said, like I won't be shocked if Mahomes win. Then now we have a very interesting conversation that can go either way. And I won't argue against it being either way. But let's move on to the next game here. We got a we got a second game, and it's actually the first game theoretically. The Eagles, the 49ers, it's going down. Cousin ain't here to um predict this game. We all know he's an Eagles fan, but Zay, is Cousin gonna come back on this show on Monday upset, or is he gonna be a happy camper? Does my guy Brock Purdy does his improbable run come to an end against the Eagles? The mic is yours. You know, before we got on air. I said I was on the fence on on either team. Me too. Because even right now I'm still on the fence, and I'm gonna talk my I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say why, and then I'm gonna talk my my way through it. Um, both quarterbacks have something to prove in this game. Uh, Brock Purdy is proving that he could be the starter of a, of a dynamic offense, that he could push their teams past the limits of the quarterback position being Mister Irrelevant, and he's uh, they're showing that he deserved to be higher drafted and also deserving of a starting spot for the 49ers for the foreseeable future. He's the franchise guy. On the other hand, Jalen Hurts is trying to prove the stigma that he is a serious quarterback. He's a quarterback that deserves more respect. Um, even beyond being an MVP candidate, he got a lot of flack last year for a lot of things that wasn't his issue, wasn't his fault, with a new coach in Nick Sirianni, not knowing how to um, properly play him and allow him to be the quarterback that he is. Both quarterbacks have something to prove here. Um, either one, even either quarterback that goes to the Super Bowl out of these two teams make history. They they prove something. They show that is more on the line than just their teams going to the Super Bowl. Their careers essentially are on the line with a loss either way. I think, and personally, I, I said before the season that the team that's going to the Super Bowl out the NFC will be coming out the NFC West, and I haven't stick to that that uh that prediction. I'm going with the 49ers to beat the Eagles in Philadelphia. I think the 49ers defense has shown us year in, year out. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. We are going to go too far. And I think, you know, when we look at what the Eagles have done throughout the season, very impressive. They had an amazing season. They have yet to play a defense that is as dynamic, as brutal, as intelligent as the San Francisco 49ers. And they're going to see that in Philadelphia coming Sunday. I think Brock Purdy is going to play his game. He's going to do what he can do best. He's going to play the his his risk, uh, not risk-free, because it's definitely not risk-free. He's going to play this risky football, but it's going to pay dividends. Um, I think the big uh, plays are going to be coming from Debo, McCaffrey, and Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. And it's going to be one of those grind games. It's going to be very low scoring. It's not going to be a high dynamic game. I had a couple Eagles fans tell me, 
that the Eagles are give them 34 points. And I'm like, I don't see that happening. So I want the score to be, I'm going to say the score is going to be 17-14 San Francisco 49ers in a very gritty, grinded out game to the very end. It's not going to be a pretty game. Both quarterbacks are going to struggle. And it's not going to be a knock on both quarterbacks. These are two dynamic teams. It's just the 49ers defense is legit. And I think it's they're going to showcase that in the NFC Championship. Man, when I tell you this game right here is 50-50, I want to hear some 50 cent after the show, bro. That's how 50-50 this game is. Man, I'm going back and forth in my mind because the reality is these are the two most talented teams in the NFC. There's no accident why these two teams are playing on Sunday. Right? You look at the last two years, the teams that won the Super Bowl the last two years were the most talented teams in football. The Buccaneers with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, right? Before these guys lost a step, they were in their prime still, right? They won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, right? Gwinkowski last year, Matthew Stafford. Um, You got, you know, other guys, Cooper Cup. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. So much talent on the football field. And sometimes talent wins championships. And we have to be honest about that. Like, I understand the X's and O's are very important, but talent wins championships. And that's what it comes down to as my niece is, is coming down here. But I'm going to wind things up, right? I think for me, this game is very interesting because talent for talent, these two teams have it. You talk about Debo. You talk about CMC. You talk about Brandon Ayuk. You talk about um, Jalen Hurts. You talk about Dallas Goddard. You talk about A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. He's another guy that nobody really talks about like that. And he's been doing it, making it do what it do the second half of the season. But I think for me, a lot of people talked about how Brock Purdy looked last week in the playoffs, right? They said, oh, this guy looks like a rookie, right? You know, and he did. But I think it was more so Kyle Shanahan looked like Mr. 28 to 3. Let's be real here. He's a guy that went real conservative. You talk about the game last week. I mean, they down 63 on the Dallas 29-yard line with three minutes left to go in halftime, okay, before halftime. They opted to kick a field goal. It's fourth and two. 29-yard line. They opted to kick the field goal. Not to mention that clock management on that drive was, what are you doing? So conservative. It's like the bigger the moment, the more conservative Kyle Shanahan gets. And that's why, forget the quarterbacks, forget the talent. The biggest question for me is, can Kyle Shanahan overcome his demons in a game like this? Okay, can he be the one? A lot of people talk about Jimmy. There's no Jimmy G to put the blame on on Monday, y'all. We are not tossing it to Jimmy G. Or what did Jimmy G do? Remember that. He's not playing in this game. So there's nobody to deflect the blame to. Kyle Shanahan, you got to eat all that up. Okay? You gave, remember, Jimmy G gave you a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl two years ago. Remember that Jimmy G gave you a lead in the NFC Championship game last year. It's not him. He wasn't there when I blew 28-0 against my Patriots in the Super Bowl. He wasn't there. There's no Jimmy G to deflect the blame. And Mr. 28-3, it's all on you, my guy. Can you exercise your demons? We all know you can craft for offense. We all know you're the quarterback guru. But can you not be the quarterback voodoo and mess them up? Or are you going to coach yourself to a victory and coach a team to a Super Bowl? Or are you? We're going to find out. I don't think so. I'm going with the Eagles to win this game, okay, at home. All right? Listen, I've been shorting the Eagles all year long. I've been shorting them all year long. I'm like, yo, show me something. Show me. And they kept showing me. I'm like, competition, 
Hey, what the hell is this? Look at your resume, bro. I'm supposed to be hyped. I kept showing them, showing them, showing them. Last week, I picked the Giants to beat them. It's time for me to give them their jurisdiction due. They didn't get here by accident, folks. They didn't get here by accident, folks. And they're going to show me that. And as much as I want the 49ers to win this game, because I do, I like the 49ers. They have talent. But I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be a lot of questions come Monday when they lose. Is Bob Purdy the answer? Do we give Tom Brady a his owl? Okay, a his owl? Do we call him? I think so. Who knows? But I'm going with the Eagles to win this game. I agree it's going to be low scoring. But at the same time in the middle, 24 to 21, I'm going with the Eagles. And you know what? I might change my mind later on in the day. That's how close this game is to me. And who knows what I really think come Sunday. You know, you made excellent points. And I just want to also touch base on Nick Sirianni is a guy who makes the, the, the gutsy plays. He he risk, he makes a lot of risky plays. And I think that's something that maybe wake up Kyle Shanahan. is like, all right, well, he's going to do some risky plays. I'm going to do something as well. Because conservative conservativeness has yet to pay dividends in the playoffs on any team. You know, it's it's going to be something interesting to see. You have too much talent to play conservative. You have to show your brass. You have to show that we're a team that's going to the Super Bowl, not a team trying to make the Super Bowl. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan needs to really uh, decide the night of, uh, the tomorrow night actually, going into the playoffs on, on Sunday. And look, the 49ers, they got to stop the RPOs, man. That's their dish. This, the Eagles, man, they want them RPOs to an effect. You're talking about 12 read option touchdowns this season. You combine the RPO ability and the fact that they can run the football with the running backs. Listen, man, it's going to be a hard task, both sides. And, and it's crazy because both sides could beat each other at their own game. The 49ers, like, we can run the football, too. We got CMC, man. We got Elijah Mitchell, man. We can run the football, too. We can keep Hurts on the bench, too. Oh, you got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Well, we got Debo and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle in the middle. Your Dallas Goddard is our George Kittle. <laughs> Defense, what's up? We went all in defensively, the Eagles. Well, guess what? We got Fred Warner over here George, and um, Nick Bosa. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, this game, man, I'm telling you, bro, I'm going back and forth. I know I made a decision, but I'm listen, my final decision will really come Monday. I mean, Sunday, before the game kicks off. That's how close it is. And one more point that I want to make before I end here on my take is, say, if you have any last words, if not, we out of here. I will say this. Um, Brock Purdy, he has not played on the road other than two times this year. Two times he played on the road, all West Coast. This is his first game on the East Coast. Okay. You're talking about true playoff road game. They were home the last two games. He's a rookie in his first road hostile environment game, East Coast, in the playoffs. Three o'clock. We got to see how he adapts to that as well. Um, hey man, like and subscribe to the new content, man. We had an explosive episode today. Please enjoy the festivities all throughout the weekend. A lot of basketball, a lot of football this weekend. Enjoy it. Um, hey, if you have a comment, you have you want to you want to have pitch an idea, like, subscribe, send those comments in each video. We would love to hear from the fans. We love to hear from anybody who wants to be a part of the show. Definitely, man. It was always a great time, Lil. But also, everyone, please love the show. Absolutely. Love the show. Hate the show. I don't care. Like and subscribe to the channel to be notified of any new uploaded content that we have coming your way. And Zay, I'm looking forward to Monday because it's going down. Peace out, my guy. Please.
Ain't nobody help when I was hungry. Fake friends, they just slipping away.